Hi, this is Cam Smith, and this is the podcast of Triple R's Eat It, a weekly radio show about food and drink broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia every Sunday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website. Hey, guys, why don't we eat? Yeah, don't call the boss. I'll have your spam. I love it. I'm in spam, spam, spam. Cold spam, 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 At the Mighty Three Triple R at the corner of, hey, you know where we are. We're at Nicholson Blyle Street, broadcasting to you from downtown East Brunswick, and uh, we've got to say it's a delight to have you here and, and join us on this. Well, yeah, it's it feels midwintery. It's midwintery, uh, and uh, also before we uh, we do get started, and um, I say big day to Kent, who's uh, champion of the bid, and has fed me croissants, I might say, and I'm very very happy for that. Um, we also have to say, Holly, good on you. Wasn't that cracker? Where's she gone? Well, she's left the the chair. Holly's gone lightly. She... There you go. That's very good, very good. Um, Holly's gone lonely. I like that. That coffee's working on you, isn't it, my friend? It's not wasted on you, my friend, no. For that cogitation. And uh, and uh, peering through the glass is our first guest, who's, who's taking photos, obviously, for an incredibly successful Instagram feed. That would be Danny Vallant. Uh, exceptional human being, great writer, and she eats well. She's an eater. And um, she's actually come in and uh, got to say, delighted that she has. And she's here to talk about, uh, well, the state of the industry as well as uh, 
uh, where she's been be, uh, eating. Um, we are looking at um, a new paradigm, or maybe we're revisiting an old paradigm as you draw a, a concerned mm. breath inward, Kent. There's a sense. Hello, Kent. Oh, g'day. Hello, mate. G'day, Kent. G'day, mate. G'day. Um, yeah, there's a sense of... Uh, Foreboding. All, all that's uh, old is new again. Oh, yes, yeah. there certainly is. And uh, uh, hospital numbers uh, prove it. Um, the death rate proves it. And, of course, it, what, what am I speaking of? Well, it's, it's the thing that's been surrounding us now for three years. And we I know we're all thoroughly sick of it, but the reality is... It's on the ascendancy again. COVID yeah. is on the rise. There is a new variant that is coming here. Can reinfect you in 28 days, I've heard. Yeah. Although, I don't know. Did you talk about that with the, the doctors? Not today, but, um, yeah, they're, What's they're their view? the reinfection um, is now down to something like 28 days, which almost makes the idea of immunity, community, you know, herd immunity. Moot. Almost, almost moot. Yeah. <laughs> almost moot. Yeah. Who would have thought a vaccine would be a um, a moot point? And um, and just to underpin that, I mean, you know, Dr. Shane, hope you're feeling better soon, buddy. We uh, we miss you here, uh, but he will be back. But he's um, he's quarantined himself, and uh, and uh, I went into the Queen Victoria Market as is my doing or want. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was very disappointed, though, in, in one thing, in that um, there's that underground car park. Oh, I've got your pen here, but um, it got that underground park park, uh, park uh, at the Queen Victoria Market, and uh, I thought that they had a good price, $4, but they put it up $6. For parking. For parking, right. for just a quick park. Anyway, that's by the by. But um, I went and uh, went to where Tomato City is, and Joey, who's uh, John's son, had put on an extraordinary display. Looked great. Yeah. Everything's bright and vibrant. That's the great thing about winter is that outdoor markets look great because the veggies just love being out there. It's like, yeah, I can handle this. Yeah. Beats February. You know, <laughs> you know, there's grapes going, oh, my God, my armpits are sweaty. What were the, what were the crowds like uh, and what were the crowds and their masks like? <laughs> in the market, ten percent were probably wearing masks. Yeah, right. If I'm honest, yeah. uh, the crowds were significant. Good, and the line at the donut van was <laughs> very, 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 very long. There was a lot of people who wanted their their yeah. little hand warmers. There are interest rates, and then there's the line at the donut van to give you a, a uh, sense uh, of where uh, things e- are e- at. Economic activity, <laughs> yeah. yes. Economic activity is good, but <clears throat> one thing I did notice um, at the market um, is the is the very fact that the the prices on most items is being held pretty well. Not too shabby. Yeah, and um, where are we at with lettuce? I don't. You didn't. I didn't even look. because okay, because this is it. We yeah. have to be Buddhists. Yeah. Flow around the rock, man. The sun. Oh. When you can take the lettuce from my hand, without me knowing you've taken the lettuce, I will be very angry because the lettuce was very expensive. Um, no, uh, it's it's just that is the flow around the rock thing, it's, and that is why 
we have been banging on about it in this show is that, you know, you have enough repertoire and things that you can do that you go, there's no letters where I make coleslaw. What? Yeah, what's wrong with coleslaw? No. And keep going, make sauerkraut, kimchi. <laughs> yeah, keep, yeah, come on. Come on. Um, or uh, wombok. You know, you wombok, can do. You yeah. can make a little pickle out of that. that that's pretty good. Anyway, that, but we digress. Um, so he's not here. John's not here, man. Um, or was that Dave? Um, no, it's John. John's uh, not at the market. He is at home. He has agreed to chat with us. I think I've just sent him a message, so we're going to put him on last, uh, because as I mentioned before, Danny Valant is here um, to talk about uh, the economic realities of the hospitality industry and um, how you would be a courageous person uh, in opening up right now. Um, Not much working in your favour. No. No. Uh, sorry, I didn't mean to get into that sort of... No, you're right. Maybe we should just play music. Uh, no, stop it. Uh, <laughs> there is still reason why this industry is amazing, and we're going to talk about that. Uh, plus, Danny's going to talk about where she's been eating out at new places. Um, uh, and also, she was mentioning something about... Uh, um, she's making lasagna. There's some, some sort of lasagna imperative that she's backing and getting behind and it's in your interest mm -hmm. alright, she's going to be coming around your place with lasagna and you better have the money, <laughs> no no it's not quite like that at all uh, we will chat with John last but um, it was my great pleasure and honour um, earlier uh, in this month no, it was actually it was June that I was down at uh, Gippsland and managed to spend a bit of time way out in East Gippsland, around Bairnsdale, around that beautiful place that is Meetung. That's a, that's a good-looking place. And also Painesville. And uh, we did chat to the chef at Sodafish a couple of weeks ago, Luke, which was a great experience. That's at Lake's entrance. But the big daddy of them all. The one that is the destination for uh, gastronomy in that whole area is a restaurant called Sardine. Sardine is run by a guy called Mark Briggs and his fabulous wife, Victoria. Uh, and he has, my God, he has runs on the board. He's, he's worked with the very, very best English chef who's come out here. Um, been in Gippsland for quite a while now. But uh, by far the most, um, uh, when we define best, um, this is the place, serious, I suppose would be a, a good way to put it, a serious um, destination. And um, he does great degustations, he and Victoria. Um, and they just do it right. And um, I finally managed to get to eat at Sardine, which was extraordinary and also have a chat with Mark and Victoria. So we're going to have that in the middle of the show. Um, yeah, that all sounds good. And uh, what else have I got here? There was something else that I wanted to mention. Was yeah, there stuff yeah. you wanted to mention? No, well, you were um, going to maybe share your experience of, uh, I think, what you were calling Lambuco. 
Oh, do you remember that from last night when I was talking about... I was salivating. Really? Yes. Okay, well, I'm gonna, I will obviously have to post that. I've t- I took some photos last night Excellent. of doing it. Um, yes, because um, I'm going to be going up to Bendigo uh, next week and uh, to do what's the, the sheep show. And sorry, vegetarians, but we this is all concerns matters of meat. So that's just... The, that's it. Uh, and our theme... Um, going up to the Bendigo show, um, the wool show, actually, sheep show, is um, uh, myself and a guy called um, uh, Russell will will be there and uh, we'll be doing demonstrations and stuff like that. And we were thinking, look, it's it's tougher than ever to put lamb on your plate, but if you're utilising secondary cuts and uh, underpinned with um, the great recipes and techniques from uh, multicultural um, population and heritage, filtered through that, there are ways to put lamb cheaply on your on your plate. So I had an idea of uh, getting what I saw as one of the cheaper cuts of meat, um, and that's the four-quarter chop. Mm-hmm. Yeah? Lots of bone in there. And if you fry those up and put them in the bottom of a casserole dish and then proceed like you're going to make ossobuco, which is you do a sofrito, you add some garlic to it. Sofrito, of course, is cooking down onions. Right? Deglaze with um, about three-quarters of a cup of white wine. Burn off the alcohol because otherwise it's a little bit unpleasant. There's garlic in there too, of course. And then just a, a tin of tomatoes and passata and... Um, that's pretty much it. And then um, a whole bunch of chopped capsicums and some chopped carrots for sweetness. Put that on top and then stick it in the oven and braise it. So you cook that for about four hours, three and a half, four hours. And um, it's it, thank you. It worked out really, really well. Um, I had it with a nice uh, radicchio and orange salad. Uh-huh. A little bit of sunshine on a plate, my favourite things. Really, Thanks to the uh, Sicilians, you know, amongst us. Again, this is, you know, the multicultural influences. Um, it was actually Giovanni Padevra from Sud, who years and years ago who taught me that one. And uh, it was really, really good because you sort of lift the whole thing out and put it on the plate and then you dig around through the sauce to find little bits of meat. And it's, it's certainly rethinking the centre of your plate, um, but it was, it was really nice. It was really, really nice. Great to hear. Yeah. Sounds like a worthwhile uh, Friday night experience. Or Saturday, was it? Did you do this on Friday? Yeah. Yeah, we were on... No, Saturday. Did it last yesterday. So, yeah, I got it on in the afternoon and... um, And and then there's the whole thing of how cooking heals us and how it's meditative and it's 12.15 and I've been talking too long. And we really should get Danny Volante in because she's far more interesting than I am. <laughs> uh, so let's get Danny Volante in. You've got some stings you want to do, yep. Mr. K? Yep. All right. Um, I'll, uh, next voice you'll be hearing will be Danny Volante and myself. Stay tuned. Triple R on FM, digital, online, via the app. 12.16 here at 3 Triple RFM, and uh, and I said we'd uh, have someone who knows what's going on, finger on the pulse, and uh, and recipes to back it, and possibly even talking about lasagna a little bit later on. Danny Volandis, come in! I know, Cam, I'm so excited to be here. Woo! Yes, 
It's great to be in the studio. What a good place Triple R is. It is a beautiful place. And you got to meet uh, our uh, special disinfector and cleaner. I got to meet Tim. Um, I'm such a super fan. I was a little bit overawed. Isn't it great? And you saw him. And what is he doing? He's just keeping the place. He, Tim Thorpe has kept this place so sparkling over the last two years. It's been quite incredible. The sparkle is quite overwhelming. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Triple O has never been cleaner than it has in the last three years, but uh, that, that's a, a bit of a sad thing. Um, before we start, maybe on um, maybe the downside of what's happening with a lot of the industry, can we maybe go on what the upside is for the McConnell Group at the moment? Yeah, well, so awesome that Gimlet was acknowledged in the world's 50 best 50 to 100 um, announcements. So mm. eight, number 84, Gimlet cracked it yeah. at this list, which is great. Such an endorsement of a great Melbourne restaurant and a great Melbourne restaurant group. So to me, yes, it's about Gimlet, which is just such a beautiful, grand Melbourne dining room. Cavendish like House. Cavendish House, great building. Mm. But I feel like it's an endorsement of the whole Trader House project which is very melbourne restaurants for melbourne people that, mm. are, that are you know also loved by people who visit our city and you know what's kind of different about this one for I me mean, and how it sort of stood out um for one gimlet is the greatest dining room we have in this city no doubt no doubt it's just i love the way it's laid out as a, um, uh, something that would be a, a given accolades by the top 100, it's an outlier in the fact that it's not a deg place. Yeah, I mean... It's an can... a la carte restaurant. Yeah. Well, that's an interesting that's... take on it, Cam. I see what you're saying. It's... And that's cool. Well, it is cool. I suppose, you know, the, the awards at the moment are... I don't know if skewed is the right word, but certainly impacted by the fact that people haven't been able to travel as much. So the the 50 best voters are able to vote in their own territory, but also out of their territory. A lot of people wouldn't have been able to vote out of their territory this time. So Mm. perhaps perhaps that reflects a very local skew to the votes uh, where people are really appreciating this is Maybe. a hometown restaurant. And yeah. I don't know, to me, it really it really speaks to who we are as a dining city. So it feel, feels Can't, really good to me. Who, uh, Jill Duplay, so many years ago, said the one thing that defines Melbourne is our relaxed self-assuredness about what we do. Yeah, well, yeah, I love that. And I feel mm. if, if we're able to express that now after all that we've been through, then that is an amazing endorsement of our resilience and, you know, strong restaurant culture. Well, hooray for us. Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> hooray for us. Um, all right. So, but on the, on the other side of the corn is, uh, is a much darker nature. And, uh, gosh, you would have to be a courageous person to be opening up a restaurant in, in these times. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, you'd be you're sort of courageous to open the doors every day, no matter how long you've been in business. Good point. And I feel like it does feel, you know, perhaps we're at a little bit of a, a new wave, as you said at the top of the show, Cam, you know, a new variant. A lot of businesses are being impacted by staff shortages anyway, but mm. then, um, you know, day-to-day staff shortages by COVID or flu, um, or, you know, that, of course, affects customers. So a lot of people are, are suffering many cancellations and no-shows. Even if people aren't cancelling... 
perhaps the numbers drop a little bit. Yes. And also everybody, you know, businesses and households alike are subject to cost of living pressures. So spends are a little bit down, uh, you know, some people are reporting. But it's a very mixed picture because at the same time, you know, some restaurants... Top end of town top is end, like, booming. Yeah, like everyone's having the lobster, everyone's having the extra <laughs> bottle of wine. Yes. Um, so it's a mixed... Chateau Margot, why not? Yes. It's a very mixed picture. Uh, so perhaps it's even that volatility, that unreliability um, that people are facing in all areas of their lives. And as we know, you know, um, business owners and hospital workers are quite depleted and mm. exhausted. Exhausted. And to have to continue to put more energy into, I'm not going to say the P word, but just into changing things up. Mm. Um Pivot, okay. <laughs> Just in case there's another one. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That one. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I guess everyone's depleted. So do, we don't necessarily have those extra reserves yeah. of energy to put into, you know, more fortitude, more understanding, um, you know, n- more new ways of doing things. So it's it's tricky times and anybody who is opening the doors, you know, for the first time or after a long time or, you know, day to day, I absolutely applaud you and yep. just, yeah, wish you all the best. And and also it's, uh, first of all, what, you know, Kent was saying to me at the top of the show about, you know, how many people are complying with mask wearing and you've uh, shown, you've, you've nailed your colours to the mask, you're coming in here and you brought a mask in, which is which is great, but maybe a lot of us are going to have to think about that because... The most important thing, the thing that is so different about this time around in 2022, government's not there to help anymore. Yeah, well, I guess... They wash their hands. Yeah. To a certain, to a very large extent. I think there's no appetite for society-wide restrictions and rules. Um, and Or money. The money is the purse is yeah. shut. Yeah. So, yeah, the COVID disaster payment is no longer, which makes it really hard for people who lose a week of income due to having to isolate. So it's really – that makes it really tricky. Um, I mean, look, I'm, I don't want restrictions and rules. No. I'm happy to wear a mask when I'm indoors and if I can. But at the same time, I'm eating at restaurants in close proximity to other people, obviously with my mouth wide open yeah. and I don't want to stop doing that. I'm definitely out and about, but um, yeah, when I can wear a mask, I definitely will. Yeah, maybe um, maybe we should all kind of reflect on that on this uh, this Sunday. So you uh, mentioned, you allude to the fact that you've been out and about, and you, I know you've been busy because you've been doing uh, getting the Age Good Food Guide. Age Good Food Guide? Is still yeah. Say the age? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, uh, happening so... You've been super busy eating out, and um, have you been to new places? And uh, what have you seen around the the traps that excites you? Uh, so one of my fave places I've been to recently is Leone Upstairs, mm-hmm. which is on Lincoln Square in Carlton. It's a sake bar upstairs from Hararuya Pantry, both oh, of which okay. are new businesses. Yeah. Um, Kent and I, our eyebrows have shot up to seeing Kent. Of course, used to live in Japan. I we are both. Yes, tell You're us. You're both friends of the of Saki. Yeah, <laughs> I, 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 we yes, Kent. Yes, oh, close friends. Oh, hello, yeah, close <laughs> friends. It's a really beautiful place. So one thing that I really love about it is the way it's been constructed, um, using uh, that Japanese joinery that's nail free and glue free. Oh god, so it's yeah. absolutely beautiful. It's, yes. uh, it really sets a tone. It's uh, yeah, just everything. It's just a lot of poise and spirit in that place. Mm. Um, the food focus there is tamaki, so um, sushi hand. 
rolls. So I guess a less formal and prescribed style of sushi, mostly mm. a sort of home style sushi, but it's done here in the restaurant setting. Uh, yeah, it's just really, wow. I just loved it. It's really fun. Yeah. Um, yeah, owned by the same guy, um, Kantaro Okado, who's got um, 279 in West Melbourne, which is one of my favourite cafes where they specialise in musubi rice balls. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, right. And he's also um, part of the team behind Labajo Milk Bar in North Melbourne, which is a sort of shakupan specialist. And now he's got these other two new, um, you know, different ways of presenting this Japanese is... cuisine in a really Melbourne way. Is it easy to get into? No, especially probably not now after I just wrote about it but and um, told, told your peeps about it now, Ken. Yeah. But uh, it's only, I think it's open four nights a week. Um, mm. I think they have some tape, some space set aside for walk-ins in the yeah. bar at the front of the building. But, yeah, just book in and just, you know, look forward to it when you can get there because yeah. it's really fun. Because uh, Kent, Matt and myself are due to um, have a little bit of a izakaya kind of drink off, eat off. <laughs> Could be the one if we can if we can get in there. Yeah, you'll be able to get in. Yeah. Um yes, yeah, definitely worth the wait if you do have to wait. Okay. Um where else? I went to uh Cucina Povera, so the new place. <gasps> You've done it. I haven't been there yet. Okay, right. uh, uh Joseph Argetto yeah. and Maurice Tizzoni, uh their co production. Shall yeah. we say? It's, uh, so it's in the old Massey space on Little Collins Street. Which is of... a funny space that never really seemed to work for me. Really? Yeah, I, I, was, I, there I was loved something... Massey. Did I, you... just, I loved it with the booths and, you know, you step down into that space. Mm. For me, it really worked. But okay. it, it also go. works for me the way it is now. So right. very buzzy, um, very Italian. So is it in that sort of just the Distasio on Spring Street way of very stark sort of uh, yeah, concrete, polished concrete walls? Yeah, sharp planes. Sharp planes. Quite, um, quite, I guess, bare and monumental, I guess, a little bit in the way it's been yes. built. I think it's exciting to see Morris Tazzini back in Melbourne. So he's been mm. um, obviously up at Sydney, Bondi Icebergs forever. forever. And, you know, really and showing DJing, Sydney how to dine. Uh, yeah, got a lot of lot of strings to his bow. But, mm. um, yeah, it's really – he was on the dining floor and I was there the other night. Joe Jones is doing the drinks behind the bar, um, and Joe and his great team in the kitchen, Joe yeah. Margetto. Yeah. Uh, I guess one of the dishes that stood out for me was a spaghetti with sea urchin, a sea urchin emulsion, and super funky, salty, just like that real beautiful, confident twirl of the pasta on the plate. And So that, that's, just... that's why we have tweezers. Food that you, I think, I reckon they can do it with tongs there. Yeah, you but can. And you can also that, do it with a carving Yeah. Too. Well, okay. So, yes, I'm sure you can. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, just food you really want to dive into and, and yeah, an experience to savour. Mm. Yeah, and you know what? It sort of reminds me, it's sort of like we look back to look forward type thing. Do you remember Denoy? Oh, yeah. It's, Denoy's still going. Yeah, but it, it sort of, it reminds me a little bit of that uh, hot peasant sort of style of, of food. I mean... Yeah. It's taking it when you're doing emulsion of sea urchin, like you, you've taken it a step oh, it's further. Not, it's not a fan, it's like a pan emulsion, so it's not fancy, oh, okay. fancy. But yeah. I mean, look, even the name of it, Cucina Povera, so it's like food, food of the peasants, but it's in this, mm. you know, it's super stylish, very knowing setting. So mm. it is, there is something about that high, low, like poor, you know, poor food for rich people. I think there's definitely, I mean, if I was writing about it, um, poor, yeah. I would definitely think about that more and, uh, yeah, just I mean, it would be it's a fun concept to think about. 
Yeah, because the, the whole notion of that is the the fact that the the one thing that's missing from our busy lives is time, and in order to achieve a lot of those things, a lot of those dishes really require that, don't they? To 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 make them happen, and that's why the peasant cuisine has been so elevated in the the last decades. Yeah, well, I suppose there are. It's those humble ingredients, you know. Uh, I mean, CH, and I guess it's not a humble ingredient, but it's a pest, so we should all be eating more of it anyway. Yeah, we do do our bit. Yeah, like (laughs) sardines, um, you know, a humble protein. Yes. Uh, Yeah, so I suppose, you know, they're pouring wine out of a cask, like their own Mm. cask. Like, it's all pretty... Uh, Rustic. Jaunty and and joyful with a nod and a wink. Mm. Jaunty. Um, hat at an angle. <laughs> hat definitely at an angle. Yes, probably okay. hat, you know, flung across the room. All right. In the, casual abandon, something the, like that. What's a good Italian hat? The Borsellino tossed around across the room. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, were there any other places you deemed were good to mention? Uh, well, I mean, it's not new, but I went to Matilda recently, four years old in South Yarra, cooking over fire. Now, who's the chef there? And what's his name? Um, well, it's, it's a Scott Pickett It's a Scott Pickett. Um, oh. Alexis Calnan Alexis. is the head chef. Yeah, and he, one, he's pretty cool. I like him. <laughs> so one thing I, I reckon is worth noting about that place is they always were cooking over fire, but the finesse mm. with which they're well, – they've, they've, they've taken it somewhere else now. So a steak, for example, is cooked over four different types of fire oh. before it comes to the table. And I just think, you know, it's like it's – it's it's racked straight onto the coals, then yeah. it's in the wood oven, then it's on a grill, then it's in a sort of hot box to rest it. Right. And it's just, I just think, you, sometimes you just think, oh, it's fire, it's fire, it's fire. Yeah. But I think there's a real finesse. <laughs> yeah, um, and timing. I really appreciate to the way God. things are done there at the moment. And, oh, but they'd be doing thermometers and stuff. I was going to say radar fingers, you know. I'm sure it will... Uh, yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of radar fingers going on, as yeah. well as perhaps some yeah, uh, technical. Th- technical thermometry action. Uh, yeah, he's uh, he he has the gift, I reckon. Uh, that uh, Alexis. I think it's just. Um, I suppose great chefs are always finding new ways to use the tools at their disposal, um, new ways to make the most of great produce. Mm. Um, just yeah, it's it's never it's never it never stops. And it's not cheap. But um, it's a beautiful place to be, isn't it? It's a, and also the setting when you walk out Domain Road. I mean, goodness sake, you know, botanical gardens across the road. Nice neck of the woods. It's a great, yeah, it's a, it's a lovely spot. Sure, it's it's definitely, it's not cheap. But, I mean, we could have a very long discussion about price and value. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's, it's about value. Can we do that equation one day? I would like Price, to. value, equals. Actually, there, might, might be, there might be an interesting little discussion. Yeah, Maybe definitely. come back in definitely. about three or four weeks. It'd be, we'd love to have you back. I would love to put it now, in a diary. And uh, now you said, what about my lasagna, Cam? Can I talk about that? I went, okay. as <laughs> if I'm going to try and stop you. What so, are you doing with lasagna? So I just, I've created a fun food delivery event for July called Lasagna Love-In. Uh, because I feel like if there's anything we want this month, it's lasagna delivered to the door. 
So I'm collaborating with a bunch of Melbourne's best and most passionate lasagna makers, and we're... Who um, are these best and most passionate lasagna makers? Well, so some of the people that I'm working with are Lasagna Lab, 1-800-LASAGNA, Al Dente, Grossi Acaza, mm. uh, Pie Thief, who's doing a lasagna pie. And actually, I can announce exclusively to you, Ooh. because no one knows this, not even the people I'm working with at Kookaburra on this. Yeah. Um, Talina Menzies is going to do her lasagna loaf, which went uh, ballistic in lockdown six. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's so basically um, just if you go to my Instagram, go to the link in bio to find lasagna love in, and um, I would love to bring lasagna to your place. Gotcha. That sounds like a, a wonderful, wonderful thing. And uh, you are racing out, although even though you said I'm eating into your time, I think we've given, you know, we're good, even though... You wanted to get out of here by about 12.30. Where are you off to to, uh, to dine? <laughs> Where are you eating? Well, I mean, I'm taking my friend Emma to her haircut appointment, actually. But oh, we did just have breakfast at, right. at Small Axe in Brunswick. Yes. And you had um, breakfast pasta, someone was I saying. mean, I reckon it's definitely worth experimenting more with other carbs for breakfast. Yes. And breakfast pasta is really... Valid. I don't know. It's something that needs to be done. Okay. So you don't always have to have your oats. You don't have to. I'm I'm obsessed with porridge, like three three sixty five days. But I think a pasta can definitely get a look in, and I could have porridge for dinner if I want. Who's going to stop me? I've had porridge for dinner just a few weeks ago. Well, there you and, go. And it was just fantastic. And no one stopped you, Danny Valand. It's always a pleasure <laughs> to see you. Thank you for coming in. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here, Cam and Kent. Thank you. Yeah. Well, we're going to do uh, interview with. Uh, uh, about sardine, uh, speaking of humble fish, and it's interesting that uh, the best uh, restaurant uh, that sort of does degs has been named after the humble fish, but uh, we will be talking to Mark Briggs after this. Woo! Ah, that's right, triple R. Well, beautiful humans, I'm in Painesville, which is... It's something to celebrate because uh, this is a pilgrimage that I've been wanting to make for many, many, many a year, but it seems that just events, catastrophes. I'm here with Victoria and Mark in Sardine Eatery and Bar is the name of the place, and it's so lovely to finally, finally get in this place in a very, very good evening as the sun goes down. Who wants to say, I'm, I'm going to have to point this in your faces, so, yeah. Hi. Welcome to Painesville. Thanks for coming. Well, it's been a few years since we've seen each other. The last time we did see each other was for an amazing dinner at Lindenau at the Old Hall so long ago, and that was a, a great collaboration between a whole bunch of people. Yeah, it was a, a fantastic event. Um, uh, ourselves, uh, Rob Turner from Northern Ground, uh, Tanya and Anton Tanya from... Anton the Long Paddock, and uh, the guys from Albert and Co in Lakes Entrance. And we all did a course each, and uh, it was a lot of local uh, producers and great supporters of uh, our businesses, and it was an amazing night. There was a lot of love in the room, I seem to remember. there was, And we were talking about it just before. There was this beautiful contentment uh, uh, that seemed to sort of exude from the place after uh, you worked your magic with all the food and... We're here to talk about this place, which is commonly said to be the very, very best restaurant that you can uh, be at in Gippsland. And 
I was just wondering if you could take me through the idea of this place, how you ended up here, and uh, the uh, and how it all came about. You guys are looking at each other, going, "Who's going to handle this?" It's yeah, he's the talking man. So. We discovered Painesville. Um, Victoria's mum and partner moved down here a couple of years um, before we first came, and we came to visit, uh, you know, working busy lives in Melbourne. And uh, when we visited, it was extremely relaxing and just amazing. And an opportunity came up, and it all happened really quickly. We packed up everything, and four weeks later, we were here. It's a beautiful place by the water, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's a stunning part of the world. It's a... It's a still a bit of a hidden gem and there's there's so much happening and it's it's ever changing it's uh it's beautiful uh the winter is one of my favorite times of the year down here it's it's calm it's still uh, mm. it's 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 beautiful um how long ago did you set up and how did you find this place that's over to you victoria five years ago now we we mm. set up in october uh we discovered the place when we came down for a visit, we, we saw the space and thought, that's it. We called them straight away, and we got the keys six weeks later. Wow. Yep. Okay. <laughs> and so what was the vision for this place from the beginning? So the original uh, vision was going to be kind of inspired by Tipo in Melbourne, a uh, beautiful little pasta bar, you know, quite simple, and it was never really what it is today but it's, we uh, we love it it's, it's a challenge and it's uh we're, we're always inspired by the amazing produce um east kipsland is we're very very lucky with the produce yeah. here tipo was a sort of like a, a, a different thing if i'm thinking of tipo's um, small place bar that you could eat at and also specializing in pasta yeah yeah yeah, yeah that was the original plan um yeah. i worked for an old italian chef and i love pasta and yes um just thought that would be the way we'd, we'd go. Um, Who was the person you were working for before? Uh, he's an old Italian chef called Maro Bregoli. Bregoli. Bregoli, yeah, yeah, yeah. Big old Italian. And um, yes. uh, The restaurant was called the Old Manor House, and it's where all the, the top London chefs came and ate on a Sunday, you know. Oh, wow. Pierre Kaufman, Marco Pierre White. It was sort of their, uh, their Sunday outing spot. So. Really? Yeah, it was... Uh, and he was uh, the original hunter-gatherer and forager. You know, if you needed some venison or rabbits, it was you went and got the gun, or mm. you know, you go and pick wild mushrooms in the autumn, and uh, everything yeah. makes salamis in the spring. And it yeah. was, yeah, it was an incredible restaurant to work at. Must have been insane looking out over the pass or into. Did you look into? Was it an open kitchen that you looked out into, or how did it work? Uh, no, so the, the restaurant was built in 1547, and it was opposite um, the Broadlands Estate, which was um, Lord Mountbatten's country home. Oh, my God. And, uh, yeah, these chefs used, used to walk into the kitchen as if it was their own kitchen, and you stand there and watch you. And it was, I didn't realise at the time, because I was only 17, 18 years old, and who they actually were. And, probably you know, for the best, really. Yeah, probably. Yeah. yeah, I was scared enough as it was. <laughs> Especially with Marco Pierre White, who's sort of... Oh, I reckon he sounds like Darth Vader a little bit when he speaks. 
He does, yeah. He's a very intimidating man. Yes, yeah. he's a very intimidating. But so was uh, Maraba Goli, so... Yeah, OK. You know, it was, there was a lot of intimidation going in that kitchen. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, Tipo Adobo was the original idea, but then that evolved because you started... You guys started to understand about the great produce that was around here and... Yeah, I guess that led our journey from where, yes. we, where we first envisioned mm. and then getting into the area and meeting with all the suppliers and all that sort of stuff sort of pushed us in, pushed us in this direction to where we are now. And which is, if I'm paraphrasing, to reflect this wonderful, beautiful food bowl of, of Victoria, yeah? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's, yeah. Yeah, it's um, you know, it started, uh, we met Jackson, the, uh, the fish player, and, you know, once he started actually bringing the fish in and it was so fresh like literally caught that morning a few hours old and wow. it's just incredible produce and yeah. you know it's uh when we saw the venue and we were driving out we went past the egg farm forge creek eggs uh, yes. and stopped and spoke to dev and pete and you know the most amazing chickens and the eggs are incredible and such happy chickens and mm. you know it, it hasn't really stopped five years later so we talk about uh, one bad day for, you know, really, really happy chickens. And what other people, uh, like uh, Forge Creek lamb, do you get stuff from Neil Stringer, not from Neil? Uh, we, we have used Neil stuff. Um, yes. It's amazing produce, yeah. Um, when we can get it, we use it. Um, mm. You know, at the moment we have um, venison wild shot from up in Swift's Creek. It's, uh, it's stunning. We, we write the menu uh, around what comes in, so we get the call... We've got this. We'll write a menu. Yesterday, we got some amazing Tommy Ruff from Corner Inlet. Yes. Um, they're on the menu that night. So when it runs out, it's not a case of, oh, we need to get more. It's, it's whatever we... It's gone. It's gone. Yep. Yep. Come next time. So, you know, we do have customers that come in, oh, we were expecting this. And, you know, unfortunately, it changes every every day, every every week and every yeah. season. So. You have to say, look, no, I'm sorry, it's driven by what we've got. No. Yeah. Yeah, okay. And and so here we are. We were talking about this is your favourite time of year that we've we've certainly moved into... We were close to the solstice, aren't we? It's going to... Uh, the shortest day is about to hit us if it hasn't happened. No, a few more days. What's your favourite sort of ingredients and produce around for both of you? this time of year who wants to go first uh what have we got this time of year um it's, you still got the pine mushrooms you know there's a couple of local producers that are uh, producing truffles oh there are truffles around here yeah there's a couple of uh, small farms uh what else have we got um the venison's amazing mm. um you know and all these flavors and ingredients really uh, lead themselves to that wintry style and you know, being from the UK, that's, uh, what, 12 months of the year. So, you know, there's, there's just great ingredients that you can do some hearty, wintry dishes. So. Yeah, well, it's time for that. And then oysters. Do you get a lot of oysters from around here? Because oysters are at their... They're eating beautifully at the moment. Yeah, we, uh, we use signature oysters, uh, so they send us the best that they have available. So a lot from Marimbula, Pambula, a bit further up in Batemans Bay. Mm. Um, and, yeah, they're stunning. Um, uh, we've always had oysters on the menu and we just treat them really simply and just showcase the, the quality of the oyster. Uh, so you're not doing oysters more now, eh? 
Uh, no. No. Uh, <coughs> not today. <coughs> no, Cam, we're not doing that sort of thing. And uh, uh, the word on the street is that there's uh, a rather smart little midwinter festival happening around uh, the area here, and you've been... Well, you have to be here to... Um, no, you don't have to be here, but what I'm saying is that you've certainly been invited to showcase your talents for it. What do you... First of all, what do you think about the, the Midwinter Festival and um, and what are you doing within it? Uh, we, we love the Winter Festival. Last year was the first year of it and it's just taken off. There's over 100 events this year across the three and a half weeks that it's on and it it's across all of East Gippsland and just everyone putting on putting on a show basically for yeah. for winter which it's such a beautiful beautiful time of year here when yes. the water's still it's it's just so lovely and calm out there and for the events we've we've got 3 on this year 3 yeah last wow year, <laughs> last year we did a week at Ocean Grange which is only accessible by boat and we we took the restaurant across there for a degustation lunch every day Oh my lord! And it was just incredible. It was it was the best working week of our lives. It was amazing. That sounds incredible. And uh, and this year, what are you guys doing? So we're doing the Ocean Grange again for two weeks. Yes. This year, and actually tomorrow is the first night of East Gippsland Winter Festival, and we're kicking it off with a cocktail night in our wine bar. And then for the last day of the Winter Festival on the tenth of July, we have a chocolate degustation in the restaurant and a tasting masterclass in the wine bar. Oh, that sounds kind of good. And, uh, and what sort of stuff's going to be around for the masterclass? Over to you. Yeah, so... Uh, Handball. <laughs> yes. Uh, Dennis and Kylie uh, Karaka, uh, they have cuvee chocolate, um, and they are possibly the most passionate people I've ever met in terms of chocolate. Um, they source all the cocoa beans um, and make it all on site um, we actually did a master class with them a couple of weeks ago in the factory mm. and it was incredible so they're coming down they match all the chocolates to wine which is a little bit different mm. um, so the master class will be uh, Dennis talking about how he makes his chocolate yes. where all his um, beans come from um, and how it matches to to different wines so um, we'll have different uh, Gippsland wines and mm. um, yeah so we get to showcase Two amazing products. Oh, wow, that sounds fantastic. So uh, the Midwinter Festival is starting quite soon. I'm just to let you know that we're recording this on the uh, the 16th of June, so uh, by the time this goes to air, it, it'll be uh, well underway, I would uh, imagine. And uh, is there still room for any of the events that you've got, or have they all been booked out? Uh, yes, the... Ocean Grange series, we have a couple of dates still available for tickets on mm -hmm. Eventbrite or through our website. And for the chocolate lunch and masterclass, those have just gone up recently, so we do still have tickets for those, which is super exciting. Wow, well, thank you so much for having me here in Painesville. It's, it's great to finally get down here after all this time. And may your place go from strength to strength. Have you, um, are there any 
big plans for your future? Are you um, sticking here? You've got more things you want to do, dishes to do? There's always uh, there's always plans. There's always uh, room for improvement, and then yes. you know we we never sit still. Um, you get bored otherwise. So yeah. there's always something in the pipeline. Well, guys, thank you so much for taking the time to have a chat with me uh, uh, before a busy service. I really, really do appreciate it, and uh, it's nice to be by the fire and, and getting warm. So thank you for the hospitality, and uh, congratulations on all the hard work you've done to. Uh, to achieve your incredible reputation within this area, in this amazing region as well. Thank you very much. Thank, Thank you so, so much, much for coming. Pleasure. Thank you. Triple R. It's the tail end of uh, of the show. I'm, I'm looking across. We can see uh, Paul Gorries getting ready for Indigenuity on this final day of the NADOC week. Um, so we'll be crossing to him soon. But before we do, imagine my surprise, beautiful humans out there. As I went into the market, as I do in the mornings, and parked the car and, uh, and think to myself, what am I going to talk to John about? And I went there and um, I saw Joey was there and he set up a beautiful display, but no John. And um, and that was like, all all is not well with the world. My God, it's... It was it was kind of upsetting, so I rang him up and uh, and here he is on the line and John has pulled a double liner. How you going? Yes, yes, I did, but uh, I have a feeling it's a false result because I feel okay. Oh. I think I just might have a, a um, head cold. Really? But we took the test, so we'll see what happens. Uh, well, uh, you keep telling yourself that, but in the meantime, <laughs> keep doing those rats, my friend. Uh, uh, you, you, you might have to, but look, I'm very, my uh, commiserations to you uh, for it. And it's, uh, I knew that something must be up because uh, it's not often that you go into the market on a Sunday and uh, you don't see the uh, the very, very big personality of John at Tomato City manning the stall there. So, uh You'll be happy to know that, as I said before and mentioned a couple of times, uh, your son has uh, made a beautiful display. And one of the great things about this time of year is that the veggies love being out in the cold. Yes, uh, a lot of them are still suffering, but a lot of them are looking very, very nice and uh, vibrant. Um, even with simple things like a savoy cabbage, mm. even though the price is a little bit dearer than normal, um, they're very vibrant. I've been cutting them into halves and people have been buying them and making a salad or a bit of um, uh, steamed cabbage. We had corned beef and cabbage the other night, which was magic. So, yeah, um, and, and everything else um, is looking vibrant, like I said, but some of the price is still high. Yes. Uh, we had zucchini at $12 a kilo. People buying one or two, you need to put them into a soup or... Yeah. Um, you know, or um, even a ratatouille or something like that. So, yes. you know, you buy a little bit less and you get ahead. But, you know, that it, it all goes back to you You buy what's plentiful and, uh, and therefore, uh, what is, uh, oh, you know, what's around. And then you, what have you said for so many years? Pick the eyes out of the market, go there, and then you decide what you're going to eat, right? Well, definitely, people have been shying away at the green beans, which were $30 this week, 
and they've been selling them $50 up in Gympie, Queensland, where they come from, because mm. I guarantee that's what they'll hit down here in Melbourne next week, yeah. because they, they just got inundated with water, as we've all seen on the news. Again? Uh, you know, people, instead of buying a kilo or a half kilo, they're buying 200 grams, well, put a little say... on the plate. Or two. And, <laughs> yeah, and then put, put something else, either a couple of more potatoes or carrots to brighten the plate up. Yeah. There are many things that we can still do. Throw a bit of pumpkin on the plate. Uh, but what about parsnip? Parsnip seems to be around. They're, they're... Yeah, we've still got parsnips. We normally sell parsnips five or six dollars a kilo all year round mm. for beautiful parsnips. And um, yeah, a lot of uh, people have tried them. Um, people keep saying, oh, I don't like parsnips. And I say to them, try them. You'll be surprised how sweet they are. How creamy they can make a mash. Oh my god, uh, yeah. And and they make and beautiful fritters too. Yeah, yeah, and we actually slice them in rounds very thin and fry them in hot olive oil and come up like a potato crisp. So yeah. you know, they're, they're things that you can do. Mm. Or you can go the old style past the puree. Yes. Oh yeah, that that, that is good. Hey listen I'm we, we haven't got a, a, a lot of time, and I'm, I'm just uh, wondering, is, uh, is uh, Franca looking after you, and has she put on a pot of soup for you? Uh, are you looking forward to any special sort of meals that, you know, when John's under the weather, you know, that we need to feed him up? What, yes. What do you um, get fed up with? Last night we had a beautiful vegetable soup, chicken and vegetable soup, actually. Oh, there because, you go. Um, she broke up the chicken into it and um, then put uh, a little bit of pasta in it, which is a small pasta in it. Oh, I was going to ask if she did that, or risoni or something like that, the little tiny, or yeah, stellini, yeah, yeah. you know, those little ones. Yeah, nice. Yeah. And for lunch today, I had the um, um, rice and lentils, like a uh, minestrone, it had carrots in it. Yeah. It had um, a bit of onion, a bit of potato. Uh, and it's just so sweet. And when you eat it, a, a hot bowl of that, you feel a lot better. It lifts you up as well. Mm. So, yes, she's definitely looking after me. Yeah. And um, I, I love this. Sort of, I'm almost imagining a larder at your place that is in emergencies break glass and she's, you know, broken through the glass to get the lentils out or the little the little tiny uh, things of, of pasta. Hey, we've only oh, got uh, one minute left, so um, I'm going to have to... Uh, uh, let you go, but uh, good luck with your recovery. I'm, I'm sure you're going to be fine, and uh, yes. I guess so. That means you're not going to be in the market for a couple of weeks, yeah? Well, we'll see what happens when I get my results tomorrow. Okay. If, um, if I'm definitely positive, I'll do the right thing and I'll take a break, yeah. which is a good time for me because I haven't had a break for a long time. Yes. If not, we'll be back on board and we'll have a break later in the year. But Brilliant. Life's good, so we'll see. All right, we'll, mate. we'll go with the wind, as they say. Thanks, John. Well, we look forward to seeing you back at the market. Bye, mate. See you. Have a lovely day. Bye. Hi, this is Cam Smith, and you've been listening to the podcast of Triple R's Eat It, a weekly radio show about food and drink, broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Sunday. Hope you enjoyed the podcast, and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website. 